Bentley? You well? I feel all emotional now. So this is our last and final message in the book of Daniel. Uh, I've enjoyed Daniel, I've enjoyed going through. Uh, If you had asked me a year ago if I would have preached through Daniel, I would have said absolutely no way. Stay right away from that because it's freaky and weird and and odd and people fight about it and argue about it. Um, But we did it and I'm glad we did. You agree? I wouldn't have preached about Revelation either. We did that too, didn't we? And I wouldn't have preached through Genesis either. And we've done that too. So there you go. We've done a whole heap of things that uh, I never thought we would. So that's a, that's a good thing. Let's have a quick pray and then we'll kick into Daniel chapter 12. Father, our emotions are wonderful, wonderful things. We feel, we experience, we step into what hurts what brings us joy and for this we're grateful Lord as we uh, step into finishing something as we finish this book as we finish our time here uh, God I pray and ask that you will be in and through and by all things Lord there are many who have gone through struggles we've prayed much about Uh, Those all over the world, uh, our focus has been just on so many spots where there is such great need. There are those in our church who are struggling, those in our church who are uh, going through health things. You know who's struggling, you know who's in hospital, you know who's been through difficulty. God, would you be with them, with their family? Would you be with doctors and nurses and specialists who make decisions? I pray and ask that there will be wisdom and that there will be good outcomes for those families. God, help us love them well and care for them deeply. Open our eyes and our ears as we step into Daniel and attempt to finish this profound uh, and insightful book. And I pray and ask that we can learn uh, something more about you and something more about the world we live in as a result. We pray all of these things in God's name. And all of God's people said? So Daniel chapter 12. We're going to have a quick little recap of what we've gone through. So we started speaking about fasting and we spoke about Babylon and its delicacies. Do you remember Daniel's a young, a young boy? He's taken into exile into Babylon from, from uh, Israel and he's taken in there. And he is the, the whole idea of Babylon's theory is that they can breed the Jew out of him. They can take the Israel out of him and put in him Babylonian thinking and then he can go back to his homeland and and bring Babylon to his homeland that was the idea but Daniel as a young young man as a young boy goes to Babylon and he knows full well that if he indulges in the delicacies of Babylon he had food and wine from the king's table but he knows if he if he starts down that road then he is going to become lost Remember we had that picture up of a ski jumper down the ski jump? Daniel knew deep in his bones that if he began that road, if he started down that road, then he would not have anything to say. So Daniel 1 and 2 starts off with this sort of mantra that goes all the way through the book of Daniel, which is about fasting. 
It's about saying no to some things because those things are going to dull us down to other things. And so that was this theme all the way through the book of Daniel is this idea of fasting, taking, um, taking choices about what we have. And then we spoke about speaking truth to power. Part of Daniel's fasting allowed him uh, an insight, allowed him an awareness to be able to speak truth to the emperor, to the guy who was in charge of the then known world. This slave Daniel was called in and in his position, he was able to speak truth to power. Then we spoke about God or Neil spoke to us about God being at work in people and when God is at work in people there's this sort of magnetism to them there's this drawing to them and we see all through the book of Daniel he's brought back into the king's chamber back into the place where the decisions are being made to offer his opinion all the way through my technical skills and then we had the story of the writing on the wall do you remember weighed measured and found wanting We spoke about the importance of the decisions that we make. Your life matters. The choices that you make matter. There's this king and he's standing there and he's got all the regalia of royalty. He's got all the wealth of royalty and he's feeling small and little in and of himself. So he gets these foreign gods. He gets um, Israel's gods. He gets all of their uh, cups and goblets and sacred items and they start to drink to them and toast their own gods. And out of nowhere comes this writing on the wall and the writing on the wall speaks about the king and his sense of self is very small. And then we see that king loses his life. He loses his everything really. The choices we make matters. If we've been given privilege, if we've been given education, if we've been given financial capacity, the choices that we make with that is really important. And then we spoke about being able to have a look in chapter 6 for the lion's den. Remember we spoke about radical self-examination, actually being able to look yourself in the mirror and see accurately, to the best of your ability, what's going on in you, what makes you tick, what makes you think, how do you think, the choices you make, the motivations behind those choices, actually being able to look yourself in the eye and become aware of those motivations and not push them down. And then this trust in God, this belief for Daniel, that even in the midst of people trying to take his life, he knew deep in his bones that even if they took his life, as tragic as that would be, Daniel had a surety. There was this solidness to him that even in the midst of the chaos of life, Daniel knew even if the worst thing happened, that there was a God and that God loved him and his future was entwined in that God's good character and that God's love. And that freed Daniel to be able to step into these situations and do good things. Mike Bullard spoke to us about the beasts of this world. He spoke about this vision of Daniel, this apocalyptic vision that Daniel had of these beasts and how these beasts are in charge of all things. And Mike helped us to see that those beasts were real. Those beasts were the powers that controlled the world, the powers that had military might and all of those things. And those beasts are still around today. There are those who run things. There are those who have power. But the thing that I found most reassuring about that is he said, even the beasts eventually bow the knee to God. Even those that have seemingly never-ending power and their fingers on the literal button of the biggest nuclear arsenals in the world, at some point, even they bow the knee to God. I found that very reassuring. 
And Brad spoke to us last week about the challenges that we can go through and about how God has a presence with us even in the midst of deep and powerful challenges. Daniel has been a book that written thousands and thousands of years ago but has very much applicable meanings for us today. Daniel is a profound reality check. And at the heart of Daniel is this idea that you can be taken from your home, you can be taken from all that defines you as you, put into a different place, and you can still be you, even in exile. You can still be you, even away from your people, your language, your culture, your religion, everything. You can still be you, and God can still use you, even in the midst of exile. And there will be times in life when you feel that you are in exile. There will be times in life when marriage feels like exile. There will be times in life when work feels like exile. There will be times in life when parenting feels like exile, when you're away from everything, when you feel like you're a slave, when you feel like you have little power. Daniel tells us that even in those spaces and in those places, you still have a God that loves you and is present. And you can still be proactive and you can still be bringing about changing good things even in the midst of exile. Good news? Daniel 12. Let's get into the last thing. So this is apocalyptic. So when we talk about apocalyptic, to, to break it down for you in a really simple way, apocalyptic literature, things like Daniel and some of the Old Testament prophets, and then we have a look at the book of Revelation. This is when someone goes into a, a trance-like state, if you like, and they have some sort of crazy, 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 crazy vision of the future. Often this is accompanied by long periods of fasting or times of intense prayer, but it is this out-of-body experience that these people have and they see something and they come back and they attempt to record that. So when we read it, it's bigger than Ben-Hur, it's huge, it's enormous, it's massive because he's trying to put words to something that he's experienced. So the language is big and overblown, the pictures are big and overblown. They're not literal things, they're trying to convey a message to us. So we've got to look in broad brushstrokes. I think we get into trouble with apocalyptic books when we try and take a big, broad vision and we try and chunk it down into things that make sense to us in 2019 because we just struggle to do that. I think we, we do a disservice to the text when we do it. So big, broad brushstrokes is what we're doing. At the time of Michael, a great prince who protects your people, so he's speaking about an angel, a great prince that protects your people will rise. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. But at that but at that time your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. So what we've got is is Michael. So here's this sort of in the, the history of the church, this is how Michael has been portrayed. It's an angel. Michael is an angel. Uh, we're told here that he's a great prince. But ultimately what he is, is powerful. And Michael fights on behalf of Israel. So earlier on in the book, and remember, apocalyptic, big thinking. He spoke about there was the prince of Persia. And it's this idea that nations and powerful places, there is also a spiritual representation of that. And 
in this book, Daniel prays a prayer. Earlier on in the, in the book, I think it's about 10, Daniel prays a prayer and then Michael's dispatched to bring um, a response to that prayer, but he's detained by the Prince of Persia. And it's this idea that, that God wants this thing to happen, but there's this spiritual opposition. And so eventually, after a, after a war, after a battle, after a struggle, the message gets through. And again, it's this idea that there are powers and there are principalities. There's a spiritual life going on. Uh, there's a, a theologian around at the moment called Walter Wink, and he speaks about in the modern world, he says that huge, big multinational corporations are like this, principalities and powers, and they have a spiritual kind of power to them, if you like, because they're so big and so influential. So again, we're stepping into this. Remember, he's speaking to a people in exile. These people in exile have very little rights. They have no home. They have very little use of their own language. Everything they do is run through another government. So they are very disempowered people. And Daniel is, is presenting them this vision and says, there is this angel in heaven and this angel in heaven is a great warrior and this angel in heaven is fighting on your behalf. We are powerless here as slaves in this nation, but there is an angel in heaven and that angel in heaven is battling on our behalf. Does that sound like good news? Amen. I think it's great. Think about that for just a moment. Where do you struggle? Where are, you, where are you failing? Where is it hard for you in a way that you feel powerless? Because what he's trying to tell you is in that place and in that space and in that area of your life, there is someone battling on your behalf in the heavens for you. Does that sound encouraging? If you are at the point where you feel you can do nothing else, there is nowhere else I can go. I cannot break this addiction. I cannot stop this struggle. I cannot keep pushing. I cannot. Daniel is saying, in the heavens there is someone battling on your behalf for your well-being. Amen? If you are struggling, know deep in your bones that there is something bigger than you happening on behalf of you, no matter what is going on for you. Daniel tells us that we have someone who's battling for us. And then he speaks about this book. And in this book is names. And the names in the book are names that are going to be able to be in a place with God. We don't, it speaks about everlasting life, but it's not heaven as we know it. Heaven and hell as we know it, it's not really spoken about in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, everyone who died, good, bad, and indifferent, went to a place called Sheol. And Sheol was just the place of the dead. So everyone died, went to Sheol. In the New Testament, we start talking about heaven and hell and different sorts of places. Okay, so here we have this introduction of this idea of an afterlife. And then he speaks about, in 12.2, it speaks about those who have died are sleeping, are waiting in the earth. Again, remember who we're talking to here. You have a people in exile. Can you imagine how many people have died as a result of the exile? Can you imagine how many families had lost members and parents and grandparents and dads and brothers and sisters as the exile was taking place, as Babylon went in and decimated Israel? You can just imagine these disempowered people learning that there is someone fighting for them. There is someone advocating for them when they can't do anything for themselves. And not only that, but those who have died before them are waiting. They're not gone. They're waiting. And they're waiting in the earth. 
Can you hear the hope that is being offered to a group of people who have very little hope? The message is true for us as well. Those who have died before, those who we have lost, are waiting. And it's a, a wait, there's this expectation to the waiting. So the book is very important because the book records something. And the book records that those who are gone, maybe those whose lives were taken in tragedy, maybe those who were victims, maybe those who, who died not at their own hand, but those who are gone now are waiting. And there's a book and there's an angel and there's hope, and there's someone battling on your behalf. And even those who have been taken, their lives are recorded in a book, and they're not gone because they're waiting in the earth. Something is brewing. Something is bubbling under the water. Can you feel it, church? Some of you can. Some of you can't. Daniel 12, 3-4. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up the seal, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase in knowledge. So this all sounds a bit jumbly jumbly, but think it through. Oops, sorry, forgot to do that. So here's a picture of the night sky. It's a beautiful, beautiful sky. Remember, ancient people, and remember, the stars are unexplained. How do the stars work? They have no idea. I have no idea. But I have more of an idea than they ever did. But think about, he's speaking about the stars and something bigger than themselves. And let's read it again. Read it with me. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of heavens, and those like the stars forever and ever. There was something eternal and constant about the stars in the sky. There was something that was bigger than them, something that was larger than them, and something that stayed on well past them and their lives. Daniel is tying this level of awareness and this level of something much bigger to these stars, and he speaks about when we're wise, we're like the stars. When we're wise, when we're switched on, when we know something, when we know something to be true, when we know something of God to be true, it's almost like we are part and one with the stars in the sky. There is something bright in amongst the darkness. There is something that glitters in amongst the darkness and there is something that goes on and on and on and on. And remember, there's angels and there's books and there's people waiting and there's stars. And you, even though you're in exile, you, even though you're lost, you, even though you have no power, you, even though you have lost family and family and family and family, you can be like the stars. There's something bigger for us. Even in the midst of our tragedy, even in the midst of our struggle. Jesus said, Listen to these words and hear the similarities there. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus speaks to us saying that there is something about knowledge and that knowledge shines and it's bright and it's in the darkness it pushes through. There's so much hope going on here. 
Daniel 12, 8 to 10. So as you read through, if you, if you get the chance later on, you read through and there's a, a river and there's two angelic beings and one is in linen and there's a lot of Jesus-type imagery going on here. But Daniel's speaking forward and backward to these angels. And they've told him something and this is him responding. I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, so he's asking these angels, my Lord, what will the outcome of all of this be? This is the angel responding. He replied, go away, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time at the end. Let's read this together. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will come to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. So we're back onto this knowledge thing again. Daniel wants to know what everything means. And he says there's something about knowledge and those who are wise will know and those who are wicked will be ignorant. Those who are wicked will just not understand. But the wise people will know. And the wise people will shine like stars. And the wise people will be a light in the darkness. They will be a message of hope to those who are struggling. We have to speak about the Matrix movie because you just need to. So I'm going to spoil it for you, but I'm leaving next week so I can pretty much do whatever I like. So the Matrix movie, if you haven't seen it, then this is a a challenge from the front. Go and watch The Matrix. It's a profound movie. It's a brilliant film. But in The Matrix movie, um, there's the world as you see it. And then what happens in this film is there's this man called Neo. And Neo is the one. And as Neo goes through, he starts to notice that there's something off in the world. It's not the way it's right, but it's not right. There's something wrong. And he struggles and he finds and he looks and he looks and he meets this man. And then basically what happens is, is in the film, Neo finds out and discovers that alien or that machines have taken over the world. Does it sound good? Woo! Machines have taken over the world, but the machines need power. And they, they get their power from the body heat of humans. And so the machines have put us all into this matrix, into this big digital dream world. That's the internet, basically, and that we're in, the, we're in the internet and we're living in the internet. We're not conscious. We're animated by these machines, okay? And so what happens is they start working that out and as they work that out, they break out of this and they, they step into this level of consciousness that they didn't have before. And so what Neo and his friends do is they start working out that even though they're in this world that feels real to everyone else, they are quite aware that it's not actually real. That it's not actually true. And what Neo does is he comes to this realization that in this world that's not actually true, he can sort of start to change the world instead of allow the world to happen to him. So right at the end of the film, as it's right at the end, all these people start shooting at him and he goes, this isn't real and I can change it. This isn't real and I can change it. This is what Daniel's talking about. There's this knowledge, this awareness, and this awareness when applied, this awareness when, become, when it becomes real to us, you can start to look around at the world and you can start to look around at what defines you and doesn't define you and you can start to step back and say, do you know what? I don't actually care about those things. 
Because the world's telling you constantly that if you are the, the, the wealthiest and if you have the most prestige and if you look a certain way, then you get things that other people don't get. If you're educated at certain places and not others, then you get things that other people don't get. And you're a little bit more important than everyone else because of your last name or because you, where you went to school or because how you look or because how much money you've got. If we allow those things to define who we are, then we're lost. Daniel's people were in exile. They were slaves. They had nothing. They had virtually no rights. They had nothing. Daniel did not allow the matrix to define who he was. Daniel stepped up and said, this is just a computer program and I can stop bullets when I want to. Daniel said, I have friendship with God. I have relationship with God. I have encounter with God. And that gives me knowledge and power and awareness that other people don't have. And I am going to start to control the world around me and my sense of reality based in this truth, not that. And what Daniel's saying to us and to all of us who read it is to say that you are not alone. There is an angelic heavenly body that battles for you on your behalf. That there is a book and that book records the righteousness and that when you step into your friendship with God and your relationship with God, you switch something on. And when you switch that something on, you become like a star in the sky that shines light to those around. And those who don't know, don't know. And those who don't know, don't know what they don't know. But when you do know, then you're able to start to change the world around you. Just like Daniel, a slave who was able to influence the king of the then known world. So my message to you and my message at the end of this is no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your circumstances, become very well aware that there is someone battling for you on your behalf. You are not alone. And no matter if you've lost things, people, livelihood, well-being, functionality, jobs, no matter what that loss is, it's resting. It's resting. And know that the knowledge and truth of who God is and how God sees you allows you to understand things and shine brightly in the sky. And you are not alone and you can help the way that you see the world. You have the capacity and power to reinterpret what you see based in the knowledge that God has given you. Amen? It's a profound book of hope, even to a people who had none. And that's why they still read it today, again and again and again and again and again. Let's pray. God, there are people in this room who are experiencing loss, There are people in this room who have those who they love, who are resting, who are waiting in the earth. Father, there are those who need to know deep in their bones that there is someone fighting on their behalf. Father, there are people in our room right now who need to know that even in the midst of brokenness, even in the midst of sorrow, and sadness, and loss, and the helplessness that comes. There is something greater than you fighting on your behalf. Lord, we have the capacity and the ability 
to be able to reinterpret the world around us through the lens of Jesus and the cross and hope and heaven. We have the ability and capacity to start to re-alter the way that we experience this world. We have the capacity to be shining like stars in the sky based on the knowledge that you have given us. Holy Spirit, you speak about bringing us to life. You speak, you speak about helping us see what's not there. We look at Jesus. Jesus changed the reality that he lived in based in the power of the Spirit. And he told us that we will do greater things than him. God, I pray and ask that my friends here today will come to the reality that they have got huge capacity, huge power, huge influence, huge ability to be like shining stars in the midst of darkness. Father, we can do that with our children. We can do that with our friends. We can do that with our friends' children. We can do that with our parents. We can do that with the people that live next door to us. And we can do that for people that live in worlds and in places that we'll never go and never see. Help us see that this awareness can bring light where there is darkness, can bring hope where there is brokenness. And God, help us know in our soul that we are not alone, even though at times it may feel like that is the truest thing about our life. You are fighting for us in realms that we will never see, battles that we will never understand. Help us know that we are not alone. Go with us this week. Help us become aware of our secret knowledge. Help us become aware of what you've got for us. And God, I pray we can do good things with it. And all of God's people said, Amen. So next week, 